Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Quirky Corporate Chicks podcast. We're your hosts, Dana Foster and Sherry Hayes, corporate life coaches in private practice. We focus on people who follow their passion and how their lives have been impacted. Real stories, real entrepreneurs, and lots of laughter as we look at where life has taken us. So today, Sherry is pretty excited about our guest. I'll let her introduce him. I'm really excited. Uh, I have got a massively talented, uh, amazing New Jersey, fellow New Jerseyan, Junior Sanchez here. Uh, I am a little in awe of uh, his musical background um, and intelligence in general. So we are so excited to welcome him here. And thank you so much, Junior, for, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Dana, for having me on your podcast. This is really cool. I'm excited. So we are Quirky Corporate Chicks, and what we do is we focus on um, being sort of the, you know, going behind the entrepreneur, you know, the feelings of what it's like when you first start out in your career and, you know, what you go through and sort of what your challenges are day to day, you know, instead of, you know, it's all we see is the glamour most of the time and we don't hear the struggle. So that's what we'd like to talk about. So if there's anything you'd like to start off with. That would be uh, about your upbringing. And I know, and I know you're from Newark, right? Or uh, near there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I was, I was born in Belleville, New Jersey, actually. Okay. And my, my, yeah, I grew up in Newark for a while and then traveled, you know, moved around Jersey. My parents yeah. divorced and I grew up in uh, central Jersey and in New York, back and forth. Yeah. And did you end up, um, did you know that this was something you always wanted to get into or did you go to college and then? kind of deviate from there or how did that pass? No, I never went to college. How music felt kind of, you know, it's funny music. I wouldn't say fell into my lap, but it was just kind of serendipitous. What, what happened was this, I was about 11 years old and my brother brought home his then girlfriend, which is now still his wife to meet my mom. And she saw like a stack of records that I had on the floor. She's like, oh, you like music? And I was like, yeah. And it was like, let me try to remember what the stack consisted of. It was like, um, I think there was a full force record. It was, and, and then there was like an ELO record. <laughs> it was just like all these random things. Yeah. And uh, she was like, well, if you like music, my, and she, this is kind of going to sound crazy or complicated, but it's not. She goes like my my brother. So my her brother-in-law's brother made music. He was a producer, and at that time, it's like 1988. There was a, a freestyle music was really big in the tri-state area, New York, yeah. New Jersey. It was like, yeah, freestyle. You know, like Coro and you know, uh, you know Debbie Deb and you know labels like Micmac, Cutting Records, and you know even Todd Terry comes from that, and even Louis Vega does. They they started you know, their careers making freestyle music. Like a lot of people don't know that Todd Terry produced the choral records, giggles, love letters, all that. This is before his house music, you know, transition. So she had said to me that her brother-in-law's brother was this guy. And, and at that time he was pretty well known in, in that world. He did this song called, it's gonna sound hilarious, called Flight Detas, which just means like, amazing titties and it was like 
but it was huge, huge in like that I underground. That would get some, some, uh, yeah. you know, get some air. And it was really, really big in, around those circles in that circuit. And then I was like, oh, I know that record. I know that record. And she was like, well, you, if you want to meet him, you can come over. Blah, blah. So I asked my mom if I can go over there. And they were living in Irvington, New Jersey. And my mother was like, you can go stay. So my brother was actually living with, with, uh, with him. And so my brother was actually living with my sister-in-law's sister prior to them getting married in her basement. That's where this guy's studio was. His name is Tony Rodriguez, by the way. He, was, okay. he went by a name, Jose Chinga. Anyway, it was like, you know, those records at those times were really funny underground records. But um, I can go for the weekend as long as I went to a specific church because I needed to do my communion or whatever. Yeah. Even though it was late, I had to do it. If I go to church on, on Sunday. So I went every weekend for like, I don't know, months. And this guy, Tony, you know, I would stay up late. And that's the first time I saw like, it looked like a spaceship console. It was like colors and you know, it was all this equipment and all these things in the middle of the night. And he, I remember him asking my brother, Hey, can, you know, can I take your brother out to a diner with me? And it'll be like three in the morning. I'm like, and my brother was like, yeah, go ahead. And he never treated me like a kid. He would just talk to me and have really open dialogue. turns out that he did all these really crazy records, like, you know, flight that does and my left, not my right, not all these weird, <laughs> all these weird records. But meanwhile, his, his dad, his dad was a pastor. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, you know, he's telling me all these stories of how he's, you know, dealing with the situation. We go back to the studio and he gave me my first real Crater Records. He, uh, you know, taught me a lot, spoke. He never spoke to me like I was a kid. He was always treating me yeah. like I was his peer more than anything else. And then he was like my idol for a while. I try to emulate him. I remember going to like sears or whatever department store and buying like the same cologne he wore which was called quorum at the time i remember this <laughs> like like it was yesterday yeah and um then i got older by the time i was like 12 and 13 i you know he was he had his career and i was getting into i guess girls more and i wasn't going over there but i already got the buck he gave me my first creator records and i was already djing i set up a little dj set up in my closet in my bedroom oh, wow. so, I can, so i can shut the door and act like it was a boot. What was your first record, vinyl that you bought, if you don't mind me asking? Actually, the first vinyl that I physically bought. That you bought yourself, yeah. The first vinyl, I remember it well, it was two pieces of vinyl. Yeah. And um, I, I can, this is pre-me DJing. This is like. Yeah, yeah no, I, I want to know the first one you bought. La Isla Bonita, Madonna, and Slippery, <laughs> Slippery When Wet, Bon Jovi. Those are where I have two pieces. Oh, of my God. I mean, and then that's the thing, because we're from Jersey, a lot of people have, you know, when you go, when you travel, like, into random places, and they, you know, they ask, like, where are you from? You say Jersey. They go, do you know Bon Jovi? And you're like, well, not everyone in New Jersey knows Bon Jovi. But, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I like remember to. buying those records at a flea market. <laughs> I bought them at a yeah. flea market, brand new. I was like, dude, they were, like, at, when they were out at the time. They were yeah, like, Slippery When Wet, yeah. Yeah, and that cover was, like, you know, black cover with all this, you know, the drippings of water. Yeah. You know, it was awesome. And um, the, my first ever house record that I bought was Acid Crash Tyree Cooper, and that was later, years later, you know. But um, that's, like, that was, that was that start of me really going, okay, this, you know, this house music, this techno thing is mine. You know what's funny about house and techno is, like, I never looked at it, and it was different genres to me. It was kind yeah. of like brother and sister. 
or a sister and brother? Yeah, you know, and a lot of people we've interviewed uh, over the past couple of weeks, you know, they really get kind of a little bit prickly about like, you know, tech does not house, you know, Dana has said something, <laughs> Dana has said something about EDM. And again, cause she's my co-host and, and one of my best friends, but you know, it, not as much into the music industry and and one of the guests we had i was educated don't worry i know the difference no, no, now. One of, one of the <laughs> that's not the case at all very <laughs> very angry you know he goes like well you know that's not the same thing and we're like well it's not the same thing no, early techno i mean i remember when i first went to detroit i got ex i, I yeah, literally was detroit really thing. lucky yeah. that when i got there i was shown around by <clears throat> stacy Pollen. i got to meet yeah. paul craig and Derek may this is me as a teenager you know wow and, and you know, I realized techno is so it was soulful. Like it was there's a lot of soul in it. And when you when you hear these early things, early records, yeah, they really they wanted they wanted to say techno because it was created in their city. They created this thing. Yeah. But really at the end of the day, it had a lot of soulful roots. So when you look at house and techno, they're they're just they're they're relatives and that's what yeah. they are. You know, they're not like you know, when I when I when I look at it like in a in a punk like people think yeah. punk is like a, a form of music it's a state of mind yeah. it's, it's what the attitude rebellious music, yeah. rebellion so techno was just like the punk rebellion of house yeah you know and that's what it was you know and and it continued to you know for a long time you know when i talk to djs like i don't like to talk about you know bpm and all that i'm like you know i don't care <laughs> i mean i do but you know we need to talk about the feeling behind the music and you know what you're doing yeah. so um so, so I we, think, yeah go ahead I, I, I was just curious like as you've taken steps in your career do you feel like they were just um they were natural steps or when you look back at it were there at different times where things just seemed more difficult and in the end you realized maybe that wasn't a path you were supposed to go down or is there any examples that come to mind about as you progressed how did that yeah. feel to you along that journey no, I think everything I went through, every success or pitfall or failure or, or achievement was part of what I needed to, you know, go through. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. When I look back on decisions that I made and in hindsight, I said, maybe I shouldn't have done it. No, I, I did it because at the time that was, that's what was written. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's how my story was, was, you know, meant to, to go and unfold. Um, that's very mature. <laughs> Yeah, everything that I've done, I can reflect back and go, okay, I, I, I learned from it, you know, and it kind of like led me to this point in my life and this phase. And, and it helps me to really understand where I'm going, you know, because I yeah, can't. Yeah, it's a growth. Yeah, I don't dwell yeah. on the past. It's like I should have, I always say uh, there should have been a bad, there, there could have been a bad call. There could have, uh, the could have, uh, should have, would have, because. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks that, oh, coulda, shoulda, woulda done this, coulda, shoulda, woulda done that. And I'm like, damn, that sounds like a dope band. But it's, it's not how I live my life. You know? and, um, and yeah, so, you know, there, there's times I'm like, oh, shit, I did this. Why did I do that? But overall, no, I have really, there's really no regrets. It's just progression and learning. And would you say, are there, are there like any type of rules or when you are thinking about making a change or going in a new direction? Are there any guidelines that you hold yourself to where, whether it's like, does my gut feel good about this? Are you more of like an analytical person where you need to like marinate on it for a little while? Or I don't know, maybe you're, you know, your buddies, you got to be like, hey, we got to powwow about this. 
I do have certain people I bounce ideas off of or, or get advice from all the time. Um, and depending what, what the subject is, you know, there's on the business end, there's certain people I talk to about mm -hmm. on a creative end, there's certain people I talk to about, but I always trust my gut. Um, I realized that, you know, times and, and things have changed so exponentially so quickly. Yeah, very much so. You have to kind of shift your gut too. I mean, your instincts are your instincts, but you, your instincts can't be your instincts from five years ago or seven years. Your instincts have to change with kind of what's happening around you because, yeah. you know, even though we can, we can trust our gut, but our, the, the way we would trust our gut, let's say with, mate, is this right? You know, it might, have, it, it might not have been right five years ago, but it's right, okay, right now. And you have to mm -hmm. remember, like, you have to kind of just kind of assess where you are right now in life and trust your gut today, not what you would have done five years mm -hmm. ago, 10 years ago, or whatever the case may be. I think that's, a lot of people start thinking, you know, what, what, what would I have done, you know, mm -hmm. eight years ago, 10 years ago, and try to apply that to what's what today no you have to just kind of be clear-headed and think you know think very fresh and, and new you know junior i think that's amazing and i think that's exactly uh kind of what we try to get to on our podcast you know the idea of it's okay where you are today you know it's and accepting yourself, you know, today and not holding yourself to kind of past expectations or, you know, where in the future, because nobody knows what's going to happen, right? Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's really easy to say, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then eventually I'm going to get there, but you don't. And all you have to do is today. And I think when you live sort of your best life today, that's all you can do. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Now it sounds like, uh, would you say, are you, it sounds like you have lots of siblings. Would you consider yourself to be a, a family man? Do you still try to nurture that side and keep in touch with everyone? I do. Um, there's some brothers I keep in touch with. Some I don't. We all live different mm. lives. Some yeah. are closer to than other. I had a brother um, that we were all closest to pass away 13 years ago. Sorry to hear that. Uh, of cancer. He had melanoma, super venetious guys, always tanning. Yeah. Um, and uh, he passed away, but he was like the glue, you know, he was mm -hmm. really the glue of yeah. everyone. You know, he, uh, he was gay and he was like my mom's, like, I yeah. love, like not favorite, but he was like the one that made sure that we all called each other, you know, it's Junior's birthday or this, you know, five, you know, he was just like that. Wow. He was the MIDI connection of the whole family. Yeah. When he passed, it was just like, you know, certain people drifted off and this and that. But, you know, I, I always try to communicate with my family and, uh, you know, and just, you know, just keep that, that presence there, you know, especially because yeah. it's So, you know, I do, I do my best for sure. I mean, my college roommate, because um, I, I went to school 9101, you know, right before 911, she was from the Ironbound District, she's Portuguese. And uh, so I, I know a lot about that area. That's where I go. Yeah. yeah, no, I always imagine it's difficult um, when you're in the music industry to like keep relations with family, you know, up and going or maintaining that, that work-life balance. It's so just, it's even difficult keeping relationship with friends. You know, it's mm -hmm. funny about the culture, yeah. the DJ culture, 
it's a lonely, lonely culture. Yeah. You, you know, your best friend maybe is your tour manager if you're lucky enough to have one. Yeah. That's the person you see the most. And then you develop a relationship with them and then they're gone, maybe, because maybe they're not around too long. Yeah. They'll get another gig, another job, or you can't afford them or whatever the case may be. Or you don't really establish real relationships because you meet all these new people, promoters, club owners, mm -hmm. this and that. Yeah. You don't keep in touch with them. And then your real friends don't live this lifestyle you live. So yeah. you to keep in touch with them. So you, you're on the road, you live your hotel, planes, trains, whatever the case may be, airports, and then you come back to reality for a second or two. Mm -hmm. and you try to connect with some friends that you have and you're kind of, been, it's, it's, it's a, the DJ lifestyle is a very lonely lifestyle and it, it, it kind of tr almost trains you to stay in a, in a bubble and a selfish mentality. And I early on broke that. I couldn't, you know, it's something that I couldn't relate to because, you know, there's, it's just, it's just a toxic way of living and it's not something I enjoy. That's probably one of the most honest, uh, besides you and John Lacroix-Viva been very honest about what it's like and the loneliness I think that you feel the isolation in in terms of you know you're encapsulated in this world right you know you get on the plane first class you go wherever you know you they pick you up you do the DJ gig you do whatever and then you come back and you're meant to be you know because I, I know you have a few kids and it like I have to be dad right like or I have to be this or I have to be that and you know, some of the DJs that I met over the years used to say to me, well, I think it's a great lifestyle because by the time I come home, you know, they're just getting up and I could put them, you know, make them breakfast and whatever because they're DJing until four or five o'clock in the morning. And, yeah, no. but it's, it's a tip, it's a difficult lifestyle. And, you know, I, on the fringe of it, just, I couldn't deal with it anymore. You know, I think it, 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 you know, and I, and I give everyone credit who can, you know, I think if you're an artist, it's great. Um, but if you're not, it's well it was that was the first trying, right that that was yeah you know people i made a lot of you know i'll be honest a lot of mistakes uh we all have Junior. personally in my life you know because i was married prior and i'm divorced now but yeah. oh okay you know, so okay yeah so karina is is, is, is your new uh, wife my, yeah yeah you know hopefully going this is my hopefully <laughs> He's got a lovely fiance who's very, very sweet and very, yeah, yeah, and, very um, yeah. So I have two children with one woman. I didn't do the rounds. This I, I was married to her or together for 15 years. Mm. Um, but I treated my first marriage like a record deal. Like I was signed in the U.S., but I have options all over the world. So I didn't really yeah. understand what I was doing. I had no idea how to be a real husband or I, yeah. I, I had no, I, I didn't know what that was. So I would come home and I liked the balance of like be, traveling and then coming home and somebody telling me to take out the trash. I thought I needed that. And I think I did, you yeah. know? Um, but you know, I, I had to grow, I had to grow up and realize that's not, that's not how you, how you function. It's not how you treat a woman. That's not, it's just so many things I had to learn throughout wow. that thing. So that marriage, where to this day, where she's one of my best friends. She's an amazing mother. She's an awesome person, and and we separated on great terms and divorced on great terms. But I had to, I had to, I had to go through that in order to understand, you know, how to be a better man, you know, as well. Yeah. 
So there's yeah. a lot of things, but that the DJing, you know, and or that that lifestyle attributed to to the non-success of my first marriage because it was uh, I was selfish, you know. So do you feel like do you carve out more time now, or like what's one thing that you would say that you do differently? Oh, I'm I'm present. No, God, that's, that's awesome. huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> both of us, we can't talk over each other. Yeah, yeah. I think that's number one. I'm present. Yeah. I, uh, you know, my ego is way long gone. You know, I think everyone, everyone has one though. You know, everyone has their ego, and what I learned to do with mine is completely diminish it, mm-hmm. like to the point that it, it's non-existent. I mean, I have confidence. Totally different than ego. That's totally different. Yeah, yep. Totally so different. my confidence level is like this, but my ego, I don't, my ego is like, I'm, it's like seeing an old pair of sneakers you just don't care about. Like, I don't care about you. Like, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> so if you could go back and ask yourself, you know, kind of tell yourself something that when you were first starting, you know, what you've learned now, what, what would you tell yourself? Um... And I'm not talking about first starting, you know, being a music fan, but just kind of, because I know you have your label with your brothers, mm-hmm. right? The Brobot stuff. And what, what would you tell yourself starting a business? Um, I, w- I would probably be told myself if I was, uh, you know, if I was talking to me now, um, understand more obviously about what I know today, probably like the back end of business, understanding publishing. I needed yeah, to, the publishing rights. Yeah. I needed to understand that in my teens instead of in my twenties into my thirties into now, yeah. which I understand it, you know, it's, it's daunting. It's so complicated. Really. So I think one of the things that, you know, every kid should learn is their rights, rights as in, in songwriting, everything outside of the creative, if yeah. you want to get into the space, you should really learn it because it's fundamental. If not, you're going to be taken advantage of. And that's just how it is. And I think, I think cool. everyone should learn not, you know, they teach you how to cut a check, but they don't teach you how to like pay taxes or buy a house, real things in life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they teach you all this other shit that you kind of don't really need to know. But what you need to know is what happens when you leave school how to purchase a home, how to pay your taxes, how to do all these things that really are necessities in life, you know? You know, that was it. so interesting that you said that because I remember when I was, when I was with Martin, like he didn't know how to use an ATM and he was already in his forties and like, I couldn't understand, like, you know, he would do it and he's like, well, what do I do next? You know, like, you know, and I think, well, you just hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I always get my money from somebody else. And I think, you know, this is always done for me. And so I don't even know my pin. <laughs> yeah, that's really valuable. I think, yeah, even for myself, as I've been starting up <clears throat> my own business, it's how much information. That's like one of the things I don't think people initially realize is that if you're going to be your own boss, that means nobody, unless you go and seek or hire the help out, no one's going to do anything for you. So like that thing, like managing your budget and you're just like spending money and not really keeping track of it or something like that. That's going to catch up with you at heart either. Sorry to cut you off, but not everyone has your best interest at heart, you know? Yeah. And all those things, like they're not going to go away. So like you either need to hire someone or, you know, that dragon's just going to get bigger. It's not going to go anywhere. And, um, 
So I think that's one of the things as, as entrepreneurs, it's like, fine, if you don't want to do a particular piece of your business, it still needs to be done. So either you take it upon yourself and you go learn it or take a class or you hire someone to do it. But that's, that's what it takes as, as part of being your own, your own boss. So yeah, it's very, it can be very daunting. Mentors are important. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Junior. I mean, uh, Dana, do you have one last question for him? Um, you know, I'm going to be silly. I'm going to say, what's your favorite kind of ice cream? Uh, you know, I've been you know, really crazy. I've been on, and not now because I had to stop, but I had a phase re recently of ice cream sandwiches. I don't know why, but <laughs> some crazy reason I've been on the ice cream stick that, and I, and I have to find the right ones. If it was up to me, I would want the ones with uh, vanilla wafer on top, which is you know, oh, oh, yeah. not the chocolate ones, but they don't have them here in the States. It's only yeah. like, uh, yeah, yeah. so I go and find yeah. Julie's organic ones because I need real ice cream, not like the artificial okay, flavor. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of been my- That's your favorite. That's so funny you say that. I literally just last night, I, I like to hike. <laughs> And I saw that they now have like these, I'm like, what is this, space food? It looked like it was almost like oh, a dehydrated sandwich, an ice cream sandwich that comes in a, like a Ziploc sealed bag. And I'm like, is that even still ice cream? Like what, what would that be like? But anyway, that's so funny that you said that because I, I saw that. that. The, the, um, <laughs> I guess it's on YouTube where they leave uh, a Walmart or like, you know, Walgreens, I don't know, one of those stores ice cream sandwich out in the sun and it doesn't melt like literally Ooh, oh takes days. That, oh. that's so wrong <laughs> no but you said you grew up in central jersey so i just wondered if you knew halo farm because halo farm is a big uh no halo farms no halo, I don't. halo farms yeah yeah it's from you can eat a whole yeah. pint and it's only like a couple hundred calories. Yeah. There's, the, it's oh, crazy yeah. out here halo ice cream is that yeah. what you're talking about sherry is that from jersey yeah Hold on. Like you used to, what I was talking about. He's getting up. I love it. For, for the listeners here, he's getting up. It's, um. He's going to the freezer. He's going to check it out. I don't think he believes I you. I don't think it's Halo Farms, though. I think he's probably thinking. No. Oh, well, Halo Top. That's what I was thinking of, was Halo no, Top. No, okay. Halo Farm. Halo Farm. It's from Trenton, New Jersey, in Mercer County. Okay. And he said Sorry, he Junior. Sorry. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it's been so wonderful. And, and you know, this is a great note to end on because now he's he's walked away because he doesn't believe me about the ice cream. No, no. I had the halo, so I had to make sure. If that was from Jersey, I was about to drive there. No, because it is. If you go down, I, I swear to God, if you go down to Trenton, New Jersey, which is mm -hmm. where I'm from, you will. The halo Farms has got the best ice cream. And if you like butter pecan, my grandfather, you know, it was his uh, anniversary of his death yesterday, and I, you know, he always would eat butter pecan ice cream and pecan, oh, pecan. pecan. I'm a pecan oh. person. <laughs> now I'm from Jersey. Like I know. It, it took me a long time to stop saying water. <laughs> oh gosh. But anyway, thank you so much, Junior. It's been amazing talking to you, you. and and telling Every us time. about your uh, journey and and your feelings and you know we just. We would love to catch up with you in another year because we're going to do the podcast every year. So do it. All right. Love cool. It. Thank you for Thank your time. Thank you so much. Cheers. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye, everybody.